4 o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means. It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Yes, the button was on. I'm so happy. This week's starring special guest star, Miss Adriana Lisette. Yeah. Fake band, thank you. Really fake audience. Sounds like it's time for battery change and welcome to the show. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so before we go any further, I want to come clean. Get the volume. To, oh, I, wanna, I should get the uh, chat room open. Um, there you guys are. Hello. Okay, Charles, Gloria, Amanda, Peter, Kenda Potter, Toonsmith. Hello, everybody. How are you guys? Um, I want to out my relationship with Adriana. <laughs> it's not that kind of relationship. Her husband's actually sitting 12 feet from me as I say this. Um, <clears throat> we've never discussed this. She's been on the show before and uh, a couple of times, right? Uh, or once. Once before, yeah. Yeah. So um, Adriana and I both grew up in the same little hometown of Ottawa, Illinois, although we never knew each other back then. And she's easily a generation younger than I am. Um, I'm probably older than her parents. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, I love the fact that when she goes there to visit her folks, that she sends me pictures of, there's your parents' old storks. My parents <laughs> used to have a store there. Mm -hmm. And we are both um, tenderloin aficionados. And uh, I'll let you describe what a tenderloin is because uh, it's been so long goodness. since Goodness. Well, it's usually pork. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I don't even know how they make them. Uh, there's a secret coating which I won't disclose because someday I'm going to open a tenderloin restaurant. <laughs> but it's a sandwich. Yes. And they are glorious. It's like fried with breading. It's just, I'm hungry now. Um, it kicks every hamburger's butt, right? It does. It's it really like does. once you have that. What was the place uh, on Columbus Avenue where the road goes over the canal and there was like a little burger joint on the right hand side? Um, I don't even know. I mean, it could have been gone 30 years ago, but I remember going out to football games at Ottawa High and then going there for a tenderloin <laughs> afterwards, and it was like the best. It wasn't Palonzics, was it? No. No. Cheese shop. I can't remember the name no. of the place. It was like worse than a White Castle, but the tenderloins <laughs> were awesome. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so we have that in common, and uh, I love it, the, the fact that when she's there visiting her parents that she always sends me pictures of downtown where my parents' <laughs> store was. Um, let's double-check our levels. Okay, we're there. Uh, so anyway, um, the other reason that I admire her so much is that she's a doer. A lot of people talk about stuff. They think about stuff, and they never really just get off their butt and do it. She's a doer. Um, and, and so she, I made a list of the things that you've done that I'm aware of. Um, not everything you've ever done <laughs> in your whole life. Um, but songwriting craft, check. Film and TV songwriting craft, check. Um, becoming multi-instrumental, check. Um, creating instrumental cues for film and TV, check. Collaborating with other writers and composers, check. And maybe most importantly, learning how to navigate the gear, the software, and the production aspect of what she does in her studio. And for that, she gets a big fat check. And I, I wish it was like, here's a check, you just won the lottery, <laughs> but no, it's a check like that. Um, 
So those of you who know me well, and Adriana knows this probably better than most people because I talked to her about this extensively before last year's road rally, I would call her up and, and ask for her counsel. Um, I have four daughters and it's really troubling and, and a wife, <laughs> can't forget my wife. And it's really troubling to me that there are so few women involved in the production aspect of the studio. And um, I mean, I, I feel like I'm rehashing old stuff with her, but it, it's for your benefit. Um, there are a lot of ladies out there who are very talented on the songwriting side. And when they say to me, Oh, I can't do that. I've got to wait for my boyfriend to be home. Is your mom in there? <laughs> i got to wait for my boyfriend to get home to record my guitar vocal. It just makes my head want to explode. Mm. So I'm really proud of Adriana because she has learned a lot of this stuff um, and, and holds her own. And uh, it, it's... It shouldn't be a gender issue. It just should not be, and it really bothers me. So I, I want to give you guys a few um, quotes about this, and then we'll talk about I'll actually let Adriana, my guest, say something, because I'm hogging, and let's see. I'm five minutes in, haven't let her say much other than hello. <laughs> we will get to her in a moment. Do you know that since the Grammy Awards Producer of the Year category was introduced in 1974, only six women have ever been nominated uh, for Producer of the Year, and it wasn't until 2003 that the first woman who wasn't like co-producing her own project was ever nominated. Um, let's see what else I have here. Uh, oh, so Sylvia Massey, who, who's a famous producer, was speaking to LA Weekly, and she blames the work environment. A career in music production means a lot of 14-hour days in a dark studio with little outside contact. Yep. Um, women can find it hard to meet new people in that type of environment, and most eventually gravitate into fields that allow them to grow socially. I mean, this is a woman saying this, and frankly, I, I find that offensive. It's like, come on. Um, let's see, her comment also belies the truth that it's a boys club in music production. Given that less than 5% of music producers and engineers are female, there isn't much room for social growth. So I don't want to get so political about this, but you know what? Only 12% of the people that watch Taxi TV are in fact women. And it just befuddles the heck out of me wondering why more women don't get involved. Um, Emily Lazar, who's another famous engineer producer, um, obviously a lady, um, says 94% uh, no, of all high fidelity audio equipment buyers are men. And Emily Lazar, um, went into a store to buy some audio gear, you know, just like a pair of NS10s or whatever, and the guys in the store were actually treating her like she was an idiot, like, oh, are you buying it for your boyfriend or something? So it's all just mind-blowing to me, and it just makes me so proud that um, you're in that small little percentage of ladies who said, it doesn't matter that I'm a woman, it's, there's something I need to do, and you learned it. Mm -hmm. So where did it how, first of all how old were you when you started because um, she she's a singer songwriter um and and now an engineer producer and uh how old were you when you started like legitimately writing songs um it was in high school probably my sophomore year of high school so in ottawa mm -hmm. beautiful downtown ottawa yes. Yes. <laughs> it, i've never asked you this. you did go to ottawa high or did you I go did to marquette not. i went to marquette oh really not from a Catholic family, but 
It's funny because I'm Jewish, but I grew up, all my friends were either Roman Catholic or Irish Catholic, as many of the people in Ottawa are. So I think I'd been to church more often than I'd ever been to a synagogue <laughs> growing up there. So she went to Marquette, which was our competition, but oh, okay, you can still be on the show. Most of my friends were at Ottawa, so I would like sneak into the Ottawa games and be like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, so you were in high school and uh, did you start out solely on your own as a songwriter? Were you in, in if I remember correctly, your dad's musical, was he an influence? How did it happen? Yeah, um, well, my dad has always just loved listening. Mm -hmm. um, he played a little bit of guitar, like as a teenager, and but I'd never seen him play guitar. Um, I was always just interested in music. He had all these amazing records that I grew up listening to, and um, he had a an old classical guitar that I found when I was probably 12 years old. Yeah. I was like, Dad, why didn't you <laughs> tell me holding out. And so I just um, figured out how to play. I didn't know there were such things as like chord charts. So mm -hmm. I would just listen to records and just try and find each note individually until I found wow. chords. <laughs> Learned the hard way. <laughs> really hard way. But, like one of my first songs was, do you remember the group Bread? Yeah, of course. Um, By the way, David Gates lives right there. Really? I am not joking. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, one of my first songs was a bread song. Yeah. Um, one of their albums, just by listening to the record over and over. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it's really silly. But um, uh, Adam Zelkine got his start in the music industry because um, David Gates kind of took him under his wing. Wow. Yeah, small world. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so yeah, what was the song? Um, Aubrey. I don't remember. Aubrey, Audrey, Aubrey, I think. It's a really pretty guitar part, like a finger picking melody. Just, I love finger picking, so. Um, but yeah, I taught myself guitar and piano, yeah. and just made up my own little songs. Um, didn't really say like I'm going to be a songwriter. Um, I loved to write, read and write. Um, so around high school is when I thought, oh, I can kind of combine these two loves that I have. And um, I'm an introvert, and I was super, super shy all growing up. So I would just sing alone in my room, didn't want to play in front of anybody. Um, but my parents were pastors, and they needed help with the music at church. So it kind of pushed me. <laughs> wow, were you um, scared to death the first time you had to get up in front of a room full of people being you know, an introvert? Or? Well, it was, a, it was a small church, and I was just helping my mom out. So she was the singer, and I just got to uh. play guitar or piano, which was really what I loved to do. So. Self-taught on piano as well? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, got used to being in front of people and interacting with the congregation and um, began to just love it more and more. So kept writing my own songs and then I just um, I went to a, a small concert, I think it was in Ottawa, and met a band that I became friends with and that the guitarist from their band is a really awesome. Like He's mentored so many people um, in production and in music and in songwriting and so he took me under his wing. Albie? Alvi, okay. yes. Okay, <laughs> you've mentioned him before, and uh, I know Lance Gale, who's also a taxi member from our hometown, yes. who's very good friends with Alvi. Which he's the reason I even heard of Taxi. Lance Gale uh, or Alvi? Okay. Yeah, he told Thank me you, you, should, you should be a member of Taxi. So. Wow. Um, yeah, so he um, we recorded an, an album in high school, and his band was the the musicians for the band or the the album, and uh, it was just a huge learning experience. So. 
um, <clears throat> I was in high school, and so there was curfew and everything, but my parents were so supportive of this project, so I would um, record at his studio in Morris, yeah. and uh, even on school nights, I would stay <laughs> It's there only funny life. to me because <laughs> there's Ottawa and there's more. I mean, these towns, yeah. it's like one smaller than the next, and then there's Naplate. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I would stay after, and um, after we did all the tracking, I just said, can I hang out and just learn how you guys mix and he's like sure so i'd stay till like 1 or 2 a.m and just wow. we probably didn't talk for like an hour straight sometimes because yeah. they were just mixing and doing things but i would just watch and um they were on pro tools so that was the first thing i learned is how to use pro tools that's um, a good first thing to learn yeah <laughs> i didn't it kind of fascinates you it's like why do they keep doing the same section over and over and over I mean mm -hmm. as somebody who's new to it it must have been like boring and fascinating at the same time yeah it was like sometimes I would just glaze over and space out and other times it's like this is so cool um, but like vocals I had no idea that um, you know there's a certain way you should sing into a microphone otherwise it makes it really difficult on the editors or um, so it made me a better musician and a better vocalist too, because I saw the other side of it. Um, that so makes that sense. that was cool. Um, but yeah, that's how I started. That's how I got interested in it, and um, it, it helped that I had people that they never made a single comment about my sex. Like it's just like, oh, you're interested? Join us. You know, so you're young. Doesn't matter. Like, I, I, so. I find it fascinating. We were talking a little bit before we went live on the show uh, about this issue because it, it's. I feel like I'm on a one one person crusade sometimes. But uh, Adrian said, "Yeah, you know, I mean, there could be situations where um, a man might be inappropriate with a, a woman in a, a studio setting, especially if they're alone. You know, where it's like I've got something you want, vice versa." But I'm I'm more of a believer about your experience. I think there's a brotherhood. I don't even know if I can say that without being gender. It should be gender neutral, maybe. But there is a brotherhood of those of us who are passionate about this. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't worked in a studio in so many years. I can't even count them at this point. But I still feel like I belong, and I relate to everybody who does it because once you know what goes on in there, you never lose it. It's like riding a bike. Yeah. So I. I find it hard to believe that people wouldn't be generous with what they know and be excited that somebody new and young and you know, eager wants to learn. Mm -hmm. it's yeah, weird. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Just people generally are very supportive. And if you show a sincere interest in learning and also respect their workflow, like you yeah. can't mess up, you know, asking too many questions <laughs> or something. But, um, you know, if they're able to work and you're learning, like, it's really fun. Speaking of interrupting workflow, you know uh, my friend Rob Shirelli, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. So Shirelli um, tracked me down and had me engineer and like co-produce with him stuff when he was 19 years old, and that's how we met. I, I was working in New York, and he lived in Boston. He flew down to New York and walked into the studio I was running and asked the receptionist to meet me. Eventually, I, I relented and worked with him. And he would just hover over me at the console, <laughs> like, why did you turn this? Why did you raise that? To the point where I just wanted to kill the kid. <laughs> and, and now he's got like 100 gold and platinum records on the wall. So uh, I, I guess I was a really good teacher. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, it's cool that you were conscious about uh, not interrupting the workflow because you really do have to concentrate. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, he 
might stop by. He's not stopping by. Oh, yeah. Here's how okay. I know that is because uh, we were supposed to go out to dinner with Rob and Teresa and Michael Lloyd and his wife mm -hmm. and Johnny Tillotson and his wife. It's a group of us that goes out all the time and we've been trying for like months to get this together and tonight was the night. That's why I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't take you out to dinner after the show. Mm -hmm. And about five minutes before you got here, my wife walked in and said the Shirelli's are canceling. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Rob will not be stopping by. <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, where was I? Um, I lost my place. I was so engrossed in our conversation. Oh, let's talk about ear training because, you know, so many people think of working in the studio, whether it's a home studio or a big studio, that it's all tech, but the tech doesn't mean you could learn tech till the cows come home, but if you don't understand with your ear what it is that you're trying to accomplish, mm -hmm. um, the tech doesn't mean anything. You can twiddle knobs all day long. If, so how did you learn that? That, um, And Adriana would tell you she's not entirely independent yet of reaching out to other people, but you never will be. Uh, that's the beauty yeah. of, of the studio is that there's always somebody that's got a different way of doing it or knows more than, than you or I or anybody watching. So how did you learn? What was your process for being able to know, oh, I want my acoustic guitar to sound brighter. Maybe I should boost it here or it sounds too tubby on the bottom. Maybe I should roll this off or maybe I want it to sound more in my face so I should compress it. How did you train your ears? Just a lot of listening, like just very intentional listening. Um, <clears throat> I remember even as a kid being fascinated at like the old like CD player stereos where you could mess with like the, the bass and the treble and like yeah. the mids and stuff. Like wow. I would just really like listen to the differences and, and then kind of bring it back to where it sounds balanced. So I guess I've always had this weird interest in a mix, but um, a lot of listening and then um, trial and error. Like I haven't gone through formal classes. Um, which if you can, that's a great, great option. It just wasn't my own journey and how I had to learn, but. Um, you're, I think you're probably better off having learned that way. I really do, because, I, I don't know, I've mentored a lot of people in the studio and it wasn't until they said, hey boss, can I have the keys? And after you finish your session, can I bring a band in? That's how they really learned. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so just learning and listening really, I mean, I listen to a lot of, I do a lot of acoustic guitar um, work and so listening to Joni Mitchell like a lot of Joni Mitchell I just I think the sound of her guitars and the fact that she did a lot of open tunings mm -hmm. I do a ton of open tunings because of her um, but just listening to the tone and the sound and then getting to know my own guitar because mm -hmm. my own guitar has different tendencies and just different frequencies and things like that but it's just a lot of trial and error. Um, figure out where to put the mic where it sounds the best, and you have to be really patient. A lot of people just want to like hurry up and get it done, and and you know taking your yeah. time with even just okay, how where should the microphone be to sound just really really nice and warm. Um, and the more people I talk to, uh, mentors and, and people that are more experienced, they tend to be like that too. Just simplify it as much as possible don't overcomplicate. don't add so much stuff to the mix that it just gets bogged down right keep it as as pure as you can and and it's so much has to do with just mic placement 
and the tone of your guitar and just knowing that that sound and, and very minimally EQing if you can mm -hmm. um, you know leaving that headroom and all of that stuff so um, yeah no <laughs> no fancy answer but just listening a lot and being aware of, of what things sound like and then also um, you can listen so much and mess with the mix so much for so long that your ears get tired mm -hmm. um, so sometimes stepping away and then listening to something else that maybe is somewhat comparable to where you want to get to in your mix for a little bit and just kind of getting your ear to listen to something else and then try your mix again and a lot of times I'd be like whoa this is like <laughs> so not loud enough or this is not anywhere near where where this is but it it gave me some perspective so yeah that's really what I did uh, but that's classic ear training and I think patience is probably the the most key word in what you said because I, I think that we're, we live in this kind of instant gratification world now especially computers like you, you whip out your phone and there's an app for that mm -hmm. and you click send on an email and it's gone and, and studio stuff is trial and error and it's not like you get an acoustic guitar sound today on this song and it's going to work on every song mm -hmm. um yeah, you'll probably learn, okay, most of the time I want to boost the top end in like the 4 to 8K range. But depending where the capo is at, what the key of the song is, how new the strings are, which microphone, which room, yep. all, all the other stuff that could compete. If, if it's a song with a lot of um, hi-hat, you may need to boost the top end on the acoustic guitar more or pan it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. so that it plays off of the hi-hat and mm -hmm. there there aren't stock there aren't presets you know yeah. it, it, the ear training is so important and I'm glad that you just did it rather than I'm telling you if you went to school I've only met one school um, which is Create Music Academy where I truly believe that what they're teaching and the way they teach it that you come out the other end better than when you went in but I think most schools don't teach as holistically mm -hmm. and how do you explain what 4k sounds like you can sweep an equalizer and hear it but it, it's almost like you've got to sit there in the room turning it turning it turning it turning it you know <laughs> but all by your lonesome mm -hmm. to really have it sink in um What, somebody being goofy in there? Yeah, James Adriana needs to do some EDM. <laughs> uh, hey, there's cool stuff that we could do. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I do have an EDM-related question for you. I, oh. I've noticed in the pictures um, of your studio that you've got a MIDI controller. <laughs> I do. And, and they're so sexy. I mean, come on, all those rows of colored lights, you know? <laughs> it's like the Christmas tree of musical things. <laughs> And people ask me this question all the time. I've never used one. I do not fully understand. I know you can program different buttons to do different things, obviously. And, you know, it's a row of like eight by eight or something, and depending on which one you get and what it's intended for. But why would you need a MIDI controller in a studio where primarily what you're doing is singer-songwriter stuff and you're not doing EDM? Well, I have that because that's just kind of a toy for fun. And? How do so. you use it for fun? <laughs> um, so it's what I have is an Ableton Push. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I'm not super familiar with it yet. So I'm, it's like something that I do between projects where I'm like, all right, let's learn how to program. But that was actually a gift from that guy over there. The so same guy. Thank you, husband. She's, yes, pointing at Jake again <laughs> because Jake just recently got her a beautiful Taylor uh, Koa guitar that's like, yeah. I was telling them, I had one sitting in the office <laughs> for a couple of months before Road Rally a couple of years ago, and I so badly didn't want to give it away as a door prize. I just wanted to keep it. It's one of my all-time favorite guitars. So with the push, mm -hmm. um, I, I can't even think of the right question to ask. It. <laughs> it's just so sexy, and it's so colorful and beautiful. I, I know I, that you can set up sequences of events, and mm -hmm. it's basically an event trigger. It's, it's really cool. Um, I, it really appeals to me just because of the way I think and process. And so, like, you can do a lot of the same stuff with, you know, logic, with loops and things like that. But for on the push, it's just like you almost have to think mathematically with it. Hmm. So, um, you, I'm trying to think. I'm like staring at the table. <laughs> You're staring at my wood desk, <laughs> imagining the, colorful. But yeah, you, you can set your tempo, and then like certain rows will light up with um, your tempo. So like um, like your click track. So you okay. set up your click. So you see like the orange button on you know your tempo, and then you have your different like the different buttons you can program to different sounds. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of how to explain it because it's weird to explain without seeing it. But you can um, so say like you see the the click turn on like on rows one like every other one, so it'll be like, mm -hmm. do, 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 do. Ah. And so then, like, if you want your kick to come on on, like, every other beat, you... Assign a button kick. to the kick. Yeah. And so you would use your computer to pick which kick and then assign it to... You can actually, you barely have to look at your computer whatsoever. Wow. It, they've made it so that you really just need that. Um, so do you just scroll through, just mm -hmm. go bing, bing, ooh, I yeah, like that so one. there's a menu, and, and you can do like your own ah. samples and stuff too, and find like updated packages of loops and samples and stuff. So I still have what it came with, but I can't wait to get more into that. I need one but. of these for an airplane. <laughs> like a man, I know they make smaller versions of it, because yeah. I would love to get on an airplane and have some drunk, chatty person next to me <laughs> trying to have a conversation. Oh, I'm sorry, I've got to work. Put on my Bose <laughs> noise-canceling headphones and whip out my Ableton Push Mini or something. <laughs> it's really fun. And so then, because of that, it's um, pushed me into, no pun intended, <laughs> um, pushed me into learning Ableton Live, which is another, you know, Recording. Yeah, all the EDM guys love Ableton yeah. versus so um, Pro I'm Tools. I'm really or... liking the interface and the way it's set up, but I'm trying to prioritize right now and not, <laughs> not get into too many things because now I'm like, I learned Pro Tools and then I primarily use Logic and then the push is like, ooh, now I can learn a new program, but I'm trying to stay focused. It's <laughs> cool that you've learned all these different things. Um, what was your impetus? What does logic do for you that you can't accomplish? Uh, I know Pro Tools is basically treated by many people as kind of a tape recorder, a tapeless tape recorder. Um, and logic serves a different purpose. What is that different purpose in, the w in your workflow? My answer is really fancy. It's because <laughs> I had um, the last version of Pro Tools that I had was Pro Tools 8. So a while ago. But they're up to like um, 11 or 14 or something they, now. I, I don't even know. Um, but it's in double digits that much yeah, now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I just, um, my 
what do you call it, the update on the computer, the operating system, uh-huh. um, wasn't compatible anymore with 8, and I just didn't have the money, and um, got logic from a friend, so okay. I was like, all right, I'm learning a new program, <laughs> but it ended up being really cool, um, and working really well for what I do, so um, I'd like to get Pro Tools again, just to have it, and it's what I learned on, but logic has been really great, and it's so inexpensive, and then the um, the upgrades are awesome, and it's just really user friendly. So it's funny. I um, I don't know if you've ever met her, um, uh, Jean or Janine. I can't think of her name right now. I'm drawing a blank. But I remember when she learned Logic. She moved out here from somewhere else, and she's been a taxi member off and on for years. And she said uh, she grew up on GarageBand, which everybody should have if you've got a Mac yeah. you've got GarageBand there's just no reason not. I mean that's the entree um, to all this stuff and she said the transition going from GarageBand to Logic was quite a learning curve and it took her like nine months and she was oh. also very focused and very inquisitive so I've always been of the mind that someday when I retire or decide to devote time to going back into the studio as it were that I would probably be a Pro Tools guy because um, logic, she scared me into thinking logic was hard. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that the learning curve wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I use GarageBand like a tape recorder, yeah. just on a laptop. To so I don't I've not tried to do a lot of editing in GarageBand. So maybe that part clunky. is different. Um, but as as far as just using it as a recorder to Logic, I felt like the, the interface looked very similar anyway, mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, this shouldn't be too bad. So I, I've done a few things just messing around at home on GarageBand and have found, even on really recent versions of GarageBand, that doing like super tight edits on GarageBand, um, they don't execute as well as you would like mm-hmm. them to. So yeah, that's not as many a, options. Yeah, it's a deal killer. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like if you get something down and you really need to, you know, like you're taking out a breath and you can really get in there, mm-hmm. you hit the button and what you heard and what you think you're going to get is not what you get, which is mm-hmm. very frustrating. Um, so one of the things that I think is, is cool about the fact that you took all this stuff on and have learned it is that it's not only taking you out of the production prison, as I like to call it, where you're trapped, you're limited by your own lack of skill set. Um, so you may have something great in your head, but you can't get it down on tape, in quotes. Um, it's opened up a world of collaboration for you mm-hmm. because it gives you the ability to work with somebody across the country or maybe in another country. We'll get to that in a moment. Um where now you can record a vocal or a guitar part or whatever and send it back to him or her because you've got that skill. So mm-hmm. um, what was that like when you all of a sudden realized, wow, I, I can work with anybody <laughs> anywhere because mm-hmm. I learned how to use this stuff? Well, it was really encouraging because I don't live in a music hub. So, um, you know, being in the Midwest, I can still connect with people that I know out here. Um, so I liked that opportunity. Um, and I, I was just fascinated by the technology of just trying to figure out how to do that remotely. So I, I just think that's a cool um, process. And for a while I was thinking, oh, maybe I could do like, um, be like a demo singer or um, 
sing on other people's albums or something so I thought well it's something I'm gonna need to learn to do unless I want to fly to every place that yeah <laughs> that hires me so um, <laughs> that gets a little expensive I just, yeah <laughs> so I just wanted to have as many tools as I could possibly have to give myself options in my career so um, just learned how to do it and yeah um, okay so now let's talk about your, your, I guess, your biggest collaboration. That's with a uh, fellow taxi member, Nathan Nasby. Yo, Nathan. Um, I, I promise not to do any Canadian jokes. <laughs> I was doing plenty before we went live. I, I love Canadians. You guys are just so friggin' nice. It's like the, the nicest country on the planet. Um, anyway. So you work with Nathan Nasby, and you guys have formed a duo, which, uh, there it is, South and Royal. Tell them why the name South and Royal. Um, it's just a nod to our geographic location. So Noticed. I am in the United States, and he's in Canada. Yes, he is. Sitting there with a hockey stick in one hand <laughs> and a Molson in the other. Just your typical Canadian. Oh, by the way, I forgot to hold these up before. There I am. Subscribe. Yes, thank you, Vanna. <laughs> and like us. Yes, thumbs up. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, why did you guys form the duo? What was... What was the spark that caused it? And then tell me why, you know, um, what does it do for you career-wise? What's the end game? Well, we, gosh, I'm trying to remember. Um, <laughs> it's been that long, huh? <laughs> yeah, it feels like it. Um, so we collaborated on a taxi listing. Um, and I had heard his music before just with common mutual friends and stuff and, and you guys have um, both collaborated with other people mm -hmm. okay yeah so um, I thought oh, it'd be cool to work with him someday because he's really talented and plays so many instruments and um, so I think I think he reached out to me about singing on one of his oh yeah it was the God bless America thing that oh we that's talked right about last time that's right um, and you felt sorry for him so you said yes right because he's Canadian <laughs> yeah <laughs> Sorry, I am just kidding you guys. I really love Canada. <laughs> South Park. Awesome. <laughs> Terrence and I. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, we, we did that. And then um, I think we connected at a rally after that. So we just had dinner. And it was just really cool to talk because we had so much in common, even outside of music, with our families. And, um, like, our faith really means a lot to both families. So it's just really cool to talk to somebody that, were, with, that had similar values and stuff and so we just became friends um, and then I think we just said oh yeah it'll be cool to collaborate someday but we were both really busy with other collaborations so I think a few months still passed by where it's like oh yeah maybe someday um, and then we worked on I think one listing and it was really fun to write because we just wrote so quickly and it was easy to communicate and kind of knew where each other was going with a lyric or a music part, so um, I thought, okay, we'll try another one. And um, I think maybe it was Jake, my husband, that said, like, you guys should work more together. And he's like, you're always so happy when you're working on stuff with him because it's so easy and fluid. And it's like, why, why put your energy in other areas right. if, if this is something that you know there's a momentum happening? So 
chatted about it and still a little hesitant, but we're like, okay, let's let's do an EP and um, market it to libraries. So okay. we were still production just, music libraries for those of you who who aren't taxi members that are watching. <laughs> yeah, so we we thought, okay, we'll do this and kind of maybe come up with a, a name for it um, and see if that goes anywhere. So um, we thought, well, we'll do like a five song thing and. Um, I think we were working on song number five when I'm like, oh, wait, I have one more idea. And he'd be like, oh, I have one too. And so we were sending each other more ideas, and it's like, this is becoming an album. So we thought, okay, we'll market an album to a library. And then we just had so much momentum. We thought, well, what if we try and do the, an actual like artist kind of That had to endeavor. be. <laughs> I mean, I know Nathan's got like 25 kids at home, right? <laughs> but I'm exaggerating. He's got several though, right? Six, yeah. Six kids. Yeah. And Nathan's 24, so uh, <laughs> and you've got one daughter, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, how do you guys, I mean, I know how much <laughs> Jake's over there. He's either falling asleep <laughs> or taking a, that was a big sigh. I, I mean, the time commitment, seriously, the time commitment, the commitment from your two spouses to support this endeavor. Yeah. Um, the sacrifice, the hours, all that stuff. It's just like, what the hell were you thinking? I've asked myself that many times. <laughs> and that was part of that initial hesitancy, I think, because we realized that in order to do this and like do this well, it's going to take a lot. Um, but our, our spouses were like the ones like cheering us on and saying, no, we, we really see the potential. We hear the potential in your sound. Like, this is something you should pursue. And when you have spouses that are like, yeah, like that, that just makes all the difference. So it's been hard, hard work. Um, Where are you with hours. the whole, I mean, obviously it's out because yeah. there it is. Um, where are you as far as, uh, like, I, I know that you've done a concert or two, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and you want to tour more. So how hard is it scheduling tour dates when, um, yeah, how do you schedule that around your two families and just he's in Canada and you're in Indiana. <laughs> it's not like you guys are both in Indiana and can do, oh, mm -hmm. let's do an Illinois show or let's do a Virginia show, stuff mm -hmm. that's, you know, within our Ohio. <laughs> um, am I crazy in thinking that virtually everything you do, he's got to fly down or you have to fly up or across? That's yeah. logistically yeah. A, a problem. Honestly, we're like figuring this out one step at a time. Um, and there's also just the issues of um, the um, regulations with the different countries. Um, we have regulations here is, in America? Oh gosh. It's much easier, like a billion times easier for me to go to Canada and perform there than for him to come uh, here. Because of Canadian it's, content stuff or something or um, what? I, yeah, if you look at all the, not immigration, but just all the regulations. Um, for him to come here, you need a special visa as a performer. Really, just to and come for a weekend and do a show? It's expensive too. I think I think it's around a thousand bucks. For for him. one show or, to, yeah, or just just to come and be a performer. So to do it legally. Okay, <laughs> everything nice I said about Canada now gone. Terrence no, and no, Philip. No, it's the U.S. Oh, it's, it's the, the U.S. Oh. that regulation on anybody outside of the U.S. to come here and perform. Well, God bless so. America anyway. <laughs> so Canada is wonderful. Yes. <laughs> because I don't Terrence really and Philip. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So. We charge it. Oh, my gosh. So why yeah. 
why doesn't he just pretend that he's like um, a ventriloquist? <laughs> you know, I guess that's still a performance. Well, but. we know that there are. You can come down and do it under the radar, but we have families. We have. We want this to be a legitimate business endeavor, so we're not going to risk. Yeah, um, I mean, getting banned from banned or, or thrown in jail. You know, yeah. I mean, they could ship you off to North Korea for doing that or something. <laughs> yeah. So Kim Jong Boo Boo. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't want Nathan to end up there. So for now, we're doing a lot of stuff in Canada. Let my daddy out also to get for her to say, <laughs> sorry. Jake's just shaking his head. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm going up there and um, we're planning out shows. Right now we have shows planned for spring of 2018. Um, I think five shows, is that correct? So it... Um, if he were to come down here and you guys did a bunch of Midwestern shows, he would mm -hmm. have to pay a thousand bucks per show because of U.S. Not per show. Per just show, just to per come visit. Over the border and okay. yeah. Um, Even if he brought a six pack of Molson and a hockey <laughs> stick to like give to the guy at the border, they would still charge him a thousand bucks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So and there are, there's some really cool options that we've been learning about. Like there's grants we can apply for. Um, in the U.S. or in Canada. Canada. They're awesome to their artists. They really so, are. Um, so yeah, there's like we learned about one that I think if you if you can line up, I think it's eight shows, um, you can apply for a, a, a grant where it's like they cover your travel expenses and um, help you out there. So we're not only are we writing and producing and learning all of that stuff, but we're learning a lot about writing grants, uh, tour dates, booking, you know, all that kind of stuff. So. This has been a huge learning experience. Um, it's much more than just writing songs. And oh, Nathan says the permits are a pain to apply for. It's more like, wow. Sixteen hundred. Sixteen hundred now. Wow. And forty-five days pre-application, and you have to have booking contracts with all the venues. So. Wow. Yeah. So you couldn't have found a collaborator that already lives I here, know. right? You had to find I some know. dude that lives like in, in Canada. <laughs> 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 um, let's listen to some music. Um, pick a song. Pick a song. Pick a song. Okay. Any song. I think you've played Hold On before. So let's do... Let's let Nathan choose. Oh, take 20 seconds. <laughs> Sorry, Nathan, but you have to go back to watching Terrence and Philip. Uh, <laughs> Let's do four, all in. Okay. Somebody asked earlier what the genre is, and we've Oops. been saying it's acoustic, like folk-influenced singer-songwriter. Okay. Here we go, all in. Do you remember the time we stood on the edge for the first time? Looking out, you know it would have been a lie to say that we weren't terrified. I take a breath to calm down. You start laughing as I slowly count. I don't mind if you have to give a nudge Just take my hand I'm ready to jump oh, Loving you is like Jumping into the deep end When I don't know how to swim You can be my oxygen Cause baby I'm on 
worries right before you leave. Never saw it coming that you'd be the one who made me oh so glad that I jumped. Oh, loving you is like jumping into the deep end when I don't know how to swim. You can be my oxygen, cause baby, I'm on. Yeah, loving you is like jumping into the deep end when I don't know how to swim. You could be my oxygen and I could be like you were both put on the planet to sing together it, it, it's seamless it really is it's quite amazing i was sitting here last thursday night uh working late and had the cd sitting on my desk and put it in was listening while i was working and i've got to say as uh, it's hard for me to listen to anything casually but listening <laughs> to that casually i kept going back to the blend the blend the blend it, it's amazing so this brings me to my next question which is What's the workflow like uh, with, uh, I'm guessing some of the songs, song starts are yours, some of them are his, so where does it go when one of you has the song start and how do you do the overdubs and the production remotely? Yeah, um, it's always a little different, which I like, it keeps it fun. And, um, I think, I think uh, Nathan started us off with the song Hold On. The first song on the album, um, he had that initial idea, and I thought, wow, this this really makes me think we have a particular sound. Um, so I think he had a lot of the lyrics fleshed out and <clears throat> a simple guitar part, and um, so then we just talked through, okay, what instrumentation do we want on this? I added some vocals. Um, there were other songs like um, I think Far Away, the last song on the album, is like a, a slower kind of ballad song. Mm -hmm. um, that was one that I was going to pitch on my own um, to Taxi. And I just it just wasn't like hitting me like it needed something or I was considering just like pitching it, like throwing it away. Right. Kind of <laughs> pitching. Um, and so I sent it to him and I'm like, do you think you could maybe try something like adding some strings or your vocal or something? And what he added, I was like, oh, this is amazing. So, um, Two heads are better. Yeah, so we've had songs like that, but then other ones where we'll just come up with like a phrase or a lyric, and then we really are just building it like every other line is the other person. Do um, you do video chats uh, and ever do stuff live, yeah. or is it all um, like, you know, you're two hours ahead of him time-wise, right? I guess. One. Oh, okay. a one hour difference. So, um, I, I, 
are you ever in your studio and he's in his and you'll lay something down and then hit send and he'll respond right back or is it he checks it out and responds tomorrow usually it's through email i who knows how many hundreds of emails we have um but usually it's yeah we'll track something and then like send an mp3 and say what do you think of the mix and i'll say oh let's tweak this or add more low end or whatever and then he'll send it back another one and i'll say yeah let's go with that or vice versa um <clears throat> so yeah we'll get on skype but that's more just to touch base or go over like lyrics okay um, but the musical part i think we both just like being in our little zone on our own and then sending a mix and saying what do you think of this and um is it hard writing lyrics um is it like that's mostly your lyric and this is mostly his lyric or is it closer to 50 50 and if so how is that it's it's closer to 50 50 i mean um like the song hold on was the lyric i think was mostly nathan and then like there's other songs that were mostly me but i think those are the two exceptions the other ones were really both of us um there's a song called wild hearts i think um you should know it's your record. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's two two titles with the word wild, and there I'm always go. like, wait, wild? <laughs> Cue card. <laughs> but yeah, wild card. <laughs> it also had a different working title, so that's my my defense. <laughs> um, so, like, he had he had a different lyric entirely, um, and I went in. I'm like, can we can we change this, or we changed like, yeah, we kept the main melody. The original melody and then changed a lyric so um, stuff like that but it really really is just 50 50 that's um, got a, it's, it's interesting I've pretty never, magical yeah uh, I mean it's hard to find somebody that like that that you can work with and more so not being in the same yeah. room together so it's, it's if really I'm working on like a taxi web page or an email or something and I go to people on the staff say you know do you like this headline or that headline it's hard to find consensus, number one. Number two, it's usually somebody suggests something that's outside of the choices, and you go, hmm, now I've got three to choose from. So I, I imagine that the slight time differential and the fact that things are emailed back and forth and you're both working in your own little cubicle, as it were, mm -hmm. um, pretty impressive that you're able to come up with a 50-50. I personally would have guessed that it was like, okay, this song is 80% yours, you did it, and then Nathan says, why don't you change this line, and what do you think about if we did um, they instead of she, and made it yeah. about a couple, and you go, oh, that's a good idea, and then you're done. Well, but that's what it, a lot of collaborations are. Like, yeah. Even with other taxi members, it, it just that's kind of the way it works out. So this, I think this has been a really rare experience for Sounds me, like too. Um, even, like, musically, it's funny. It's back to that whole, I think, stereotypes of genders but um i had somebody say like i really like nathan's guitar playing on that like they assume that i'm just the vocalist and i'm like hey that was, that was me <laughs> but um but yeah even like instrumentally he's i i did a lot of the guitar work i think he did guitars on two you can correct me nathan <laughs> if i have this all wrong but i think he did guitars on two songs and then it's all the other songs are me on acoustic and then he does like the drums and fiddle and um but it's it's been so fun just the way it really is an equal equal thing do you find that 
now that it's out and it's actually in, in physical form, uh, that you listen to it and go, oh, crap, I wish we had done this. Or now, you know, uh, I, I've said this before on Taxi TV that I never, ever worked on a record that I didn't hear later on the radio and go, oh, damn, why didn't I think of that? Do you have those moments or, or do you feel like you're I think so. moving forward? It, I'll hear stuff like in the mix where I'm like, I wonder if we should have tried this. Or, um, at the same time, though, this this whole album was such a learning experience that I'm just so proud of it. And <clears throat> like Nathan did a lot of the, like the mastering, um, and we wanted to have it sound consistent. So like it, we were we didn't want it to be like if I mix a song and then he mixes it and oh, it sounds different. Point. So <clears throat> he did a lot of like the the mixing himself, and but there was a lot of conversation about like what do you think of this? And I would have equal input on what to do. Um, as far as the mix on every track, and um, I forgot where I was going with that. Uh, the equality and the consistency in the sound, and right. uh, who does what. And oh yeah, and then <clears throat> if we have you know songs that we would change. Um, so for me, at, at the end of the album, I know Nathan has mentioned like, okay, now I have these presets that I really like using. Um, we'll use these from this point on, and now we kind of have like. You know, like one song, maybe we didn't get that kick drum sound that we wanted, but the other song, we finally figured it out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so now it's like, okay, we're already writing more songs for another album because we just write so quickly together. So um, <clears throat> we're like trying to kind of contain our excitement about the next album because we're like, we're right. tour with this one first. But, um, but yeah, we're, we're like, yeah, we definitely know what we would do differently now. Um, even as far as mixing and mm -hmm. stuff like that, but it's not like this. Oh man, like we messed up. Like no, it's that's good. We're really happy with what we were able to accomplish in the way that we were, just separate countries and <laughs> you know balancing family and everything. So yeah, it's it's just been. Uh, you fun. guys really should have called yourselves Terrence and Philip. <laughs> Only <laughs> South Park watchers would know what I mean by that. Uh, <laughs> well, it, it's a great record and, and it's inspiring to me that once again this is a great example of you as a person not as a woman and I'm not bringing gender into this but just um, I want to do this and you did it mm -hmm. and it, from you know I'm getting to know you over the last three years maybe uh, and, and you have a pattern of I'm gonna do that and you just do it and that's pretty darn cool because so many people are regretful of what they don't accomplish in life and the mm -hmm. regrets always start on a couch with a remote in your hand <laughs> it's just easier to watch tv and not do it mm -hmm. and you do it um <clears throat> let's go back to talking about the touring stuff i notice mm -hmm. you've got a book over there by one of my favorite people um ari herstand <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be nice. Um, I've never met the man, but he, he did make a comment once about, you should never pay any service to listen to your music. They're all BS. And, and a bunch of uh, probably taxi members chimed in the comment section saying, well, you're wrong. Don't lump taxi in. So there, they said it for me. But yeah. I, I'm, he, I've read so, several of his articles, and he's mm -hmm. a smart guy, and he brings up good stuff. So show him the book. And yeah, so this book, what's it called? There we go. Um, <clears throat> it's a really helpful book if you are interested in doing anything with DIY way. Um, that's kind of his his thing and what he encourages people to do. So um, I actually read the book after like we were 
I think we had finished the album. I don't think it had been pressed yet, but we had finished the whole process, and then I went through, and it was like, oh, <laughs> that's what helped. Um, <laughs> but um, he talks a lot about touring and, and just doing all of these things on your own if you're not signed to a huge label. Um, he just gives a good frame of reference on where to start. And Do you remember any of, like, you know, a couple of big takeaways that would be helpful? Um, well, he, he talks about um, just how to approach shows. Okay. Like, um, one thing that I really liked that he said is um, choosing, like, one area and focusing on that, like, that radius and building your fan base and doing it with sincerity and caring about your fans and um, things like that. They're just helpful. And he talks about... Um, Kind of at what point do you want to hire a manager, and at what point do you not need one? Right, uh, that's the point where the managers are contacting you. <laughs> yeah. The point where you don't yeah. need one. It's like so, banks and loans. Yeah. <laughs> so he talks about booking, promotion, um, the difference of playing like the college market versus other types of touring, which I didn't know about. Uh, um, have you heard about NACA? The National Association, it's not the NAACP, but it's mm -hmm. spelled that way. I've heard of it, I just don't know a lot about there it. There was a point where, during Taxi's history, a couple times where we managed taxi acts that got deals and came to us and said, we don't like any of the managers we've met yet. Um, we're on a major label and we need a temporary management team. So we acted as the temporary managers. And I learned a lot about NACA, which is the, the college touring circuit and basically mm -hmm. they hold regional events where it's kind of a calling process mm -hmm. and you pay a lot of money to go play these events and if they like you then you get let's say midwestern region so you could play university of indiana northwestern whatever you know the big colleges are in the midwest and then if you do well there then you go to the NACA nationals and if you get picked up nationally i've known bands that have done hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in shows mm -hmm. But it's really, really competitive. But you guys mm -hmm. are good enough that I hope you look into it because it's um, not living week to week going, can we book another show? It's like once you're in, mm -hmm. you've got your tour laid out for the whole year. Hmm. And Tune Smith says, I did NACA and it is great. There I'm you go. Good things about it. Set up a booth, demo your act. Yeah, it's not cheap. If I remember correctly, it was like surprisingly expensive on the front end. Mm -hmm. But if you're good enough, and you guys are, and it pays off, the the payoff is huge. Um, NACA is not primarily for country music. Uh, it's largely what college kids would listen to. So it definitely skews that way. Uh, a funny mm -hmm. observation, not that this has anything to do with what we're <laughs> talking about other than NACA, is a surprising number of the A&R people that I've dealt with over the years at major labels started out as college bookers. They were the booking person. And it's funny because a lot of them were nerds. And um, somehow they got the job of booking bands at their college. And now it's like uh, I can think of one guy who was vice president of MCA Records. And that's he started out booking bands, several of them. So there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, he said, "You're uh, now. I'm, I don't know what that means, Scott Hansen. <laughs> What's on the menu tonight, Scott? I missed yeah. that part. <laughs> I love 
it's like a little family in our chat room for those of you who are watching this after the fact the <laughs> chat room people have literally become like our, our Monday hangout buddies um, I, know, I feel weird not being in the chat room right now <laughs> well you are just yeah. kind of it's like Miss <laughs> Francis on romper room looking in the mirror instead of being in the mirror uh, okay so any words oh no uh, what's the hardest part of the whole project so far if you had to pick one thing go I didn't see that coming um I would say definitely the the distance when it comes to being prepared for shows okay um, it's interesting I went to a Big Little Lions show not okay. too long ago tell them for those who are watching <laughs> and don't know who our friends Big Little Lions are yeah they are fellow taxi members Paul Atten and Helen Austin and they're in a duo as well. He's really tall um, and she's not. <laughs> Her and I are like the same size. Yeah, awesome. vertically challenged. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I, I got to chat with them after the show a little bit, and it was funny that Paul said like the same thing. He's like, I think the most frustrating thing about doing this was in the very beginning when we're in separate, they're in separate countries too, Canada and the U.S., and um, he said we would have to like I'd have to fly to Canada, and we'd have like two or three days to just hurry and practice, practice, practice. Your voices are tired, and then you know you're cramming in all this prep, and then you perform, and then you leave, and you don't see each other for another six months. He's like, wow. it was really hard to get that momentum going in the beginning because you you haven't learned how to perform yet together, and just how to communicate on stage and all of that sort of thing, um, and so it's it's hard to build that. That but you and Nathan have, have had some hangout time, right? You've either yeah, very few. He, have you gone up or he's come down? And yeah, I went up in February, and that was our first show. Um, I think it's just another testament to us just working super well together because we pulled it off without ever having performed <laughs> before, and it was really fun. Even just the the banter between songs and stuff, it just kind of fell into place, which was awesome. But that's one thing that is difficult is, okay, if we have five shows that are fairly large shows booked for March of 2018, like, when do you prepare for that? When do you rehearse? So we're kind Especially of... Especially with families. Yeah. It'd be hard if you were both, if you both didn't have families, just the distance mm -hmm. and the time. And so, it's, and it's also interesting because we're in a duo. Some of these songs, it's not all just um, me on lead vocal and then, you know, he's a harmony. Like it switches sometimes and so to practice that at home separately is kind of interesting so what we've done is we'll do like really like bad quality video in front of our computer webcam ah. and I'll sing my part and send it to him and he'll try and harmonize to that and vice versa but it's still like <laughs> wow so we'll try that and um, what do you do on the stuff where the production is fuller and, and it's got a lot of drums and other stuff in there do you guys when you go out do you perform strictly acoustically yeah for now yeah um, we've talked about maybe having another person join us at some point and do some percussion or a multi-instrumentalist that can switch around with us as well there's some um, really talented so... people in the Philippines that do that <laughs> <laughs> well, just trying to complicate <laughs> matters further <laughs> no, no more trouble um, but yeah, it, what's fun is we, we're trying to do songs that can be performed more stripped down acoustically. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really fun to switch instruments around. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we're not quite to Paul's status yet, where he's like 
you know, Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins, where he has like stuff on his back and he's playing all these <laughs> instruments at the same time. But um, but like Nathan has like a kick that he'll use while he's playing the mandolin or something, and we'll just do stuff like that. But um, still in that process of figuring it out, we've only done one full show together. You guys should so. get um, <laughs> get some Boss Loopers. We've talked about that. Yeah. Uh, I was a judge three or four years ago at the Boss Looping World Finals, and I've got to say, I, I just wanted to, I, I was blown away by what these people do. Um, yeah. There's a guy named Howie Day. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, Howie That's Day so was good. a taxi member, and we really? actually, yeah, um, and although we didn't get him that record deal, we did showcase him at a road rally years ago. Um, I think we had, uh, yeah, like, I don't know, 10, 20 different labels there, a couple hundred taxi people in the, the theater upstairs, and it was the first time I'd ever seen him play, and he just, he was really one of the first, if not the first looper guy. You don't need a band anymore. Yeah. Just doing boom into a microphone, imitating mm -hmm. a kick drum and looping it. <laughs> Quite amazing. Um, and, and Nathan could bring some Molson cans and <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to be, you know. He's full of ideas for us, Nathan. <laughs> uh, remember the last time when you and Nathan were here after the road rally? Uh, Vaughn, uh, the guy um, who was with us. Uh, oh, Ryan. Rest, Ryan, Ryan uh, Vaughn. Gone. gone. Yeah. Not Vaughn. Mm -hmm. I was picking on him the whole show, and I generally don't pick on people on taxi TV. I try to be nice. And he just, who's the actor? Uh, Russell, Russell Brand. Yeah, the yeah. whole, every time I looked, I was exhausted. I hadn't slept in like 90 days. I was high on road rally, strictly road rally. And, and the whole time I kept going, so what do you think, Russell Brand? I watched his show afterwards. I was mortified. The poor guy probably walked out of here and got like a Lasco doll, put pins in it. Yeah, he had a great time. We actually gave him a ride back to Santa Monica that night. We were all like, super happy. He, he so. didn't hate me. No, nope. we're good. I, I was trying to be jovial about it, but it was fun picking <laughs> on him for being Russell Brand. Um, any advice? Uh, and I'm going to open it up to some uh, viewer Q and A um, for people that are stuck in the production prison or lack of production prison. Mm -hmm. um, you're my poster child for encouraging people to, you know, just get out there and, and do it uh, because it's so limiting to have it up here and not be able to at least record it on something. I mean, you know, better to do it on that than nothing, but it'd be cool to be able to do a harmony part. So any any advice for people who are afraid to make that leap? Yeah, um, I would just say, again, be patient with yourself and take it one step at a time like don't get too crazy in what you think you have to know um, just you know something as simple as learn GarageBand um, you know a big thing for me in my journey was finances you know we're not incredibly wealthy people you're not? no not yet <laughs> damn I only try to invite wealthy people to be on the show now I'm really upset okay. <laughs> Um and, but I didn't want that to ever be an excuse, you know, because that then I'll, I'll just stay where I am if I can't afford it. So it's like finding ways to be resourceful and, and um, not letting things hold you back. And so if, if finances are an issue, um, just do what you can. Find a little piece of gear that you can afford. Um, we were just talking to somebody yesterday, visiting with somebody, and um, he was telling us that he's a huge artist that... Everybody would know 
um, the, the first demo that he recorded with her was like a $400 microphone and we were like, oh wow, and he's like, it's, it's more, more than the gear, um, you just learn to use what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so be encouraged by that and, and also just, um, there's so many different ways to learn and I know I used to think, man, I didn't go to music school, like I just ruined my chances and I'm so behind everybody else in the industry and I'm not in a music hub and oh, and you can like start to really get down on yourself, but it's like, no, I'll figure out a way. YouTube is free and although there are probably more concise resources out there than YouTube sometimes, it's a starting point. So do what you can, look at forums and YouTube and Taxi Road Rally is, I'm not just saying this because of where I Thank am. You. <laughs> But that is absolutely (laughs) huge for me. I found a community of people that helped me so, so much, and they are like incredibly talented, incredibly knowledgeable, successful people that just out of the goodness of their hearts just want to help. And, um, you know, I got stuck with something one time and emailed um, guys like Andy and um, Matt Hurd and people that are just, they're so kind and helpful. So. They don't make you feel inferior. They're just like, okay, well, let's learn about EQing, and <laughs> they just help you along. So they were all there at some point. Yeah, you know. Yeah. They so, don't forget that. Um, I think that would be my advice: is be patient and and use whatever you have, and don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, don't feel like you're inferior. If, um, you're not where you think you should be, and. Um, and another thing with, especially with like the artist pursuits, really with anything in this industry, um, this is something that I have really believed and thankfully has been supported by my husband because there have been points where I've been tempted to give up and then he's been like, don't do it, and he keeps pushing me along. But um, it's even mentioned in this book, um, I don't have a backup plan because the moment you have a backup plan, you'll default to it. You'll do it. Yeah. So for me, you know, I've, I've even watched interviews with musicians and artists where they'll say, if you weren't doing what you're doing in music, what would you do? And I think my answer is, I wouldn't be me. Like, that's not an option for mm-hmm. me. I, I have hobbies or things that I, you know, would like to do. I like to paint for fun or just different things, but I have to do music. And so I think when you have that kind of resolve, you'll figure out a way to make it work and um, so have have resolve and don't give up um, be objective and be open to advice and criticism sometimes that's really hard too oh wow <laughs> but it's really really important um, and also just make sure you're doing something you enjoy um, if you find yourself in a part of, of the industry that you're just like it's not fun and you're doing it for money or status or whatever it's not worth it um you've got to have fun with it and it has to be be worth it so words to the wise or words from the wise uh, <laughs> I, I love the fact that you identified there there isn't a plan b uh, i always said that people um you know in the first five or ten years of taxi how, how were you able to make it successful i didn't have a choice first of all we were broke as broke could be so it's like want to eat make this work mm-hmm. um and there were plenty of times where we went couch diving for money and it went to there was a mexican restaurant 
near our house where we would scrape together a buck seventy-five for a diet coke so that we could eat the free nacho chips on the bar, and that was going out to dinner. <laughs> Woo! So, and I always said that that if I'd had a backup plan, I would have defaulted to that. Mm-hmm. But when you just know there is no plan B, mm-hmm. plan A works. Yeah. Plan A. So, ask this young lady some questions. Um, Another thing, while they're coming yeah. out with questions, I don't know if you've ever seen those, the pictures of like the iceberg, where it's like success is written on the top, and then below it's like, you know, hardship and all this different right. crying <laughs> and like <laughs> struggle. And that, there's a lot of truth to that. And I think sometimes when you're frustrated and in a point where you're in a rut or whatever, you can look at people who you consider successful and just be like, well, they had it easier. Um, no, they you didn't. Know, and, no, we've, we've all had our own battles. Even if you had, like, the money for the gear, your struggle is going to be something else. And um, don't ever feel alone when you feel frustrated or stuck. Um, seriously, everybody's been there. <laughs> Everybody might be there right now, and they're just <laughs> And call Adriana. It. I mean, her number is... Yeah. No. <laughs> it's, it's so true. You are never alone in being scared. And I... Mm-hmm. I probably mentioned this on the show before, but I would look at my wife when in the early days of taxi, I was petrified. I, I had two young kids I was paying child support for and I was commuting back and forth to New York every other weekend to be with them and paying for an apartment on the East Coast as well as out here. Mm-hmm. And my wife would, decided to go to grad school when I started the company, <laughs> so we were broke, broke. And I would look at her sleeping so peacefully and I just wanted to whack her in the head with a pillow and go, why are you sleeping? I can't sleep. Okay. Um, I have seen one question that okay. he's trying to ask several times about um, recording acoustic guitars. Okay, who's asking? Um, it was up. I, uh, I'll seen, scroll I want to say Kenneth? Yeah. Potter. What's your method, Mike, placement for recording acoustic <coughs> guitar? All right. Well, <laughs> that's. I really enjoy um, recording acoustic guitar, and it's so, so, so simple the way I do it. Um, I have a mic that, I don't know how much that mic would have cost. It's a gauge. Um, I think retail on them is 149 I think. Okay, so $150 microphone. Which is dirt cheap, for, and the quality of the microphone. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I use that, and I usually place it around like the 12th fret area. Um, and I, I know my guitar really well, and I know that that's where it sounds really good. Um, sometimes I've done the whole like, you know, ambient mic or whatever, like far away, and I end up not even using that track a whole lot. So um, a lot of times with what I do in my style, um, that is all I do. Um, make sure that, you know, levels are fine. I do very minimal EQing. Um, that mid-range that can get kind of muddy, sometimes I'll take that down um, when I'm EQing it. But as far as the mic placement, it's one microphone, <laughs> 12th fret, and that's that's it. So um, what I do sometimes to give it a full sound um, is I'll do, I do a lot of open tunings and playing with the capo and different voicings and things. So a lot of times I'll do my main guitar part, especially if it's like a simple strum kind of thing. Um, I'll record that, and then I'll find another voicing, like capoed or something, and I'll play it in another key. Um, 
and I'll do it exactly like the other one so you can't even tell you know any kind of rhythmic changes and then I'll pan one hard left one hard right and then keep my vocal in the middle um, and that keeps it for somebody like me who doesn't know you know I don't know a ton about mixing where I could do like full band production kind of stuff I'm not super confident in that yet um, but just doing that keeps it sounding really clean really balanced and then your gains, you can make it sound loud, mm -hmm. so it's not, you know, that weird demo that's like really, really low volume. <laughs> um, but that, that's really all I do. So I, as much as I can, um, because that's how I record, it's so simple, I'll try and do that two-voicing thing and then just pan it. So that's my little secret. It, uh, it works well. <laughs> it works really well. And uh, I'm with you. For all the esoteric miking things that people do on acoustic guitars. Mm -hmm. If I were recording Antonio Carlos Joe Beam, I would do that. <laughs> yeah. I would break out the $3,500, $8,500 Shep stereo mic and have one two feet away and one 12 feet away. Mm -hmm. But for, you know, if you're doing finger picky acoustic folk stuff or the Eagles, one microphone. Okay, uh, Gloria Covington wants to know, uh, time-wise, how do you balance songwriting and playing multiple instruments with recording and production? Do you just keep switching hats? <laughs> That's funny that she asked that way, because just today I was thinking I, that would look funny if I had hats that I put on for the different things that I do. But yeah, it's a lot of switching switching gears. Um, I, I love the, the tracking process, um, but... Yeah, there are, there are weeks where all I'm doing is songwriting, um, and then weeks where I'm doing a lot of mixing. Um, anymore, especially with having a toddler, I don't have a lot of time anymore to just sit and play my instruments, which I, I wish I had a little more time for that, just to improve as a musician. Can't you, like, but... give her away for a couple of years? <laughs> and get her, come back when you're five. How old is she now? Sarah, she's going to turn four next week. Oh, okay. Wow. So, so she's a handful now. Yes. Totally inquisitive so and wants to be energy. involved in everything. Yeah. So even like if I try and practice with her in the room, it's mama playing. So she's strumming, which is really fun, but not like you know, yeah. practicing. So um, you have to teach yeah. her how to sing backgrounds. Yeah. <laughs> <Someday>. <laughs> Get in here and work. <laughs> Come on. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of juggling and doing different things at different times and. And really, at, at this point, it's it just depends on what projects I have and the deadlines that I have that determine what I focus on. So, question from Jan Bars: Could you tell a little bit about how you use YouTube in your learning process? To me, YouTube is my most valuable source in terms of learning production. Hmm. Yeah. Um, honestly, I there's there's one. YouTube channel that I used to use a lot, and I can't remember what it was oh, now. Oh, you told me about that. I can't remember either. Yeah, I can't remember the name. Apparently, it wasn't a channel <laughs> that concentrated on building your memory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I remember you said you swore by that, that it was mm -hmm. far and away the one you relied on the most. Yeah. I'm um, sure somebody in the chat room will <laughs> espouse it momentarily. But, I, yeah, I would go... Um, usually, it was a troubleshooting thing, because I... I my time is so limited that I, I didn't even have the luxury of sitting and going through like YouTube tutorials or something. So I would run into an issue like, you know, this is totally weird. My click track just stopped and like nothing I'm doing is, so I'd have to Google it. And 
um, somehow I would find these YouTube channels that would just go through different things and um, I really appreciate what I appreciate about YouTube is they're usually short and because I'm troubleshooting and need to get back to my project it's somebody talking for you know a minute to maybe five minutes long is like the max and they help you and um, you can get back to work but um, yeah I find that with um, flying remote control planes and quadcopters that inevitably you hook two <laughs> wires up and the props are spinning backwards. There's always an answer on YouTube. It's the greatest <laughs> thing in the world. Um, let's see. Questions. Using a toddler as an instrument possible, where would you place the mic? Very good, Scott. You know, you can place the mic in like three rooms away and you will <laughs> still hear. You can get some good samples of fussing, laughing, crying. And Nathan's got six kids. See, Nathan, if you yes. were really on your game, you would make them like the Von Trapp family. Get them out there <laughs> earning the income, buddy. I, mean, I think he did have them on stage at, at oh, really? an open mic a few weeks ago. So well, There you go. I hope they got paid. Or I hope they brought in money for you. <laughs> I'm terrible. Um, I'm, uh, Amanda, logic tech help guy uh, for something like that. No, that's inner, inner chat room stuff. Um, all right, a couple more questions. We still have nine minutes. Oh, and the bugs are back. They're, I just saw a little nap. Yeah, it's like seasonal. Mac Pro videos is really good, too. Um, I think that was the one you mentioned. You do have to pay uh, a membership. I don't know how much it costs. And is it just audio-related recording, or is it any um, hobby you might have? They do, um, like, well, anything Apple. Oh, okay. Um, so you can do, like, Final Cut. Um, like video software and all of that kind of stuff too, but those those are incredible. If you if you can pay for the membership and use it, um, they have ones that are just in any any area you want to focus on and learn. They have like overviews of just basic you know what you need to know to get started, and then they have like the more comprehensive stuff and um, you know you can learn about like side chaining or whatever you want to learn about. Um, and they have different professors, so if you tend to like a certain ah. instructor, you can go through that instructor's stuff. So I have like a favorite instructor that I like. I just like how he explains things and at the pace that he goes. Um, so that's a really, really cool. Um, how how much, you know, side chaining? I, I, <laughs> I laugh as an old school retired engineer, and I, and I go on to gear slots or somewhere, and I see all these people talking about all these things they're doing, and I'm thinking, <laughs> you really you really need to do that to make a record? Mm -hmm. Now, for EDM, I understand a lot of mm -hmm. stuff is definitely side-chained, but you can practically make a record on that now. I, seriously. <laughs> so I just don't understand. Yeah. And I like your approach of just doing the two guitar parts and panning them full left and full right and just different octaves or different um, voicings. I don't know why people make it harder than it needs to be. And then they go on um, Gear Sluts or somewhere like that, and they read about this really esoteric, hard stuff to do, and they think, I'll never be able to handle that, and they give up. Mm -hmm. Go simple. <laughs> um, sorry, for those of you who are watching the archive <laughs> tonight or tomorrow when we're just sitting here staring. We're reading the comments looking for any appropriate <laughs> questions. Have you uh, ever recorded your voice while inhaling helium? Uh, that would be from Scott Hansen. Thank you, Scott. 
It's a helpful question. I don't think I have, but I have definitely tried it and sang before. That's fun. Did you sound like the Bee Gees? <laughs> I don't remember what I sang. Uh, Mojo says, yeah, it's crazy what hoops people will jump through to make a record when it's super simple. Yep. You know, that's something that actually has surprised me um, with the different people that I've talked to, like Rob and Ron and different people. Like, They they just say, keep it as simple as you can. Of course, there are those genre-specific things like EDM, side-chaining, pop music. You yeah. can use more of that. Um, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm always surprised. I, I've sent, like, mixes to those guys and said, like, can you help me? I need help. And they're like, no, it's, it's fine. Don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. <laughs> so. When Shirelli is on Taxi TV, I've had emails from people after the fact saying he's just um, being nice. and Because he'll hear something and go, no, that sounds, you know, we'll do How's My Mix with Rob Shirelli as our guest. Mm-hmm. And... Um, He'll say, no, that, that sounds fine. He's not lying. It's not like we turn mm-hmm. off the camera and he goes, God, that thing sucked, you know? No, he would tell you. <laughs> yeah, he would tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, will you and Nathan be touring in New York anytime? New York. Probably not this year. We're, we're really focusing a lot on Canada um, for this year and then spring of 18, but we do want to tour in the U.S. as soon as we possibly can. Uh, Charles Wilson says, I read about one engineer who claimed the position of his computer influenced the sound of the recording. He had some interesting ideas. Uh, yeah, I, I could imagine having a monitor that's dead set between you know, a pair of NS10s could definitely affect things. As a matter of fact, I just happened to have, and I really didn't prep this for the show, but um, uh, why am I drawing a total blank? What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, gosh, I'm drawing a total... You were just, we just talking about it. Not Jan Bars. Um, um, <laughs> I can't believe I can... I just did an ad with him. Anyway, one of our members, <laughs> this is... I can't, I'm so, so embarrassed. This is his home studio, and look what he's got. That's the entire studio, <laughs> and, and this is a guy... Um, uh, oh, uh, Van... I was going to say Van or Van... Van... <laughs> Matt Vanderbilt, thank you. you. I totally <laughs> brain freezed on that. But um, so this is Matt's home studio, his his studio, which is in that. Okay, so he, he <laughs> took a tool shed and built it nicely and put windows in it, and some heat, and he lives in Idaho. See that I could remember. But look at what hit. That's his whole studio. That's the entire thing. He's got like three microphones and everything's done in the box. But look what he's got on the table. He's got like a, a bath mat or something on the table to stop those near reflections from bouncing up and hitting him in the face. So there's something to be said for that. Uh, let's see. Come to think of it, Mother Maybelline Carter played the auto harp. Uh, Matt Vanderbilt, thank you. <laughs> yeah, where were you when I needed you, Peter? <laughs> uh, all right, three more minutes, you guys. So if you've got any final questions, and uh, let me hold up the CD again. It is available on iTunes now, right? Yes, it is. Go buy it. Show a little support. Give a little <laughs> love. All right? Oh, and while you're giving out that love, <laughs> like us, 
subscribe. And let's listen to one more song. We should okay. play our way out. Well, uh, ultimately, I have to do the taxi theme, but pick a song. <laughs> All right. Driving me wild. Number uh, eight. Okay. I'm not that desperate, but you got me sweating, cause I'm, I'm not the only one who's waiting in line. I don't want to give it away, I just can't look away, cause you draw me deep into your eyes. Ooh, I'm falling out my head, cause you're so another level, the way you bite your up and You drop me wild, oh, 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 oh. licensed song on the record. I'll take it. I, I can think of, <laughs> I, when, when I was sitting here the other night working and listening to it, I remember when I got to that th song thinking you could license that all day long because it could fit in so many types of scenes. It's rhythmic. It's got the vocalization part of the chorus, which could be used on its own. I mean, there are like 10 ways till Sunday to use that song. So <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah. And make sure to, I want to be the first person to know when that gets licensed. <laughs> well, so the third person. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so with that, let's wrap it up. And once again, support your fellow members. Go by <laughs> South and Royal. Nathan, we love you, dude. Um, Thanks for the comments, guys. Yes. 
can't do the show without you. Subscribe. Like us. And if I had a sign with the share symbol on it, um, which looks like two pizzas at the end of a lasso, I would tell you to, to share. Uh, and with that, we will see you next week. And I don't have my little calendar book here. Oh, and guess what? I got a new fishing lure today. Yay. <laughs> That's really important in my world. <laughs> you can drink your rock star today. I, you know, I took one sip before. I should hold it up. Yes. Love our sponsors. <laughs> Sugar. Thanks, Charles, Amanda. Thank you, guys. And thank you. I'm yes, so, uh, I'm just delighted that somebody from my hometown <laughs> is so accomplished and doing so well and gets it. That's awesome. Adriana Lisette, Nathan Nasby, South and Royal, um, and see you guys next week for another exciting, and I'm talking really exciting, I have no idea what it is, um, episode of Taxi TV Live. Bye, you guys.